0: Today, we are beginning a new series called, Can We Talk? Biblical Conversations in Good Faith. During this series, we will learn from biblical characters who engage in conversation with one another, with God, even with themselves, about how we might approach conversations, even with those who are very different from us. Today, you might notice that the scriptures we'll hear are actually not conversations. They are words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. But in these words, we learn something about what we are calling good faith conversations, and Jesus offers us some guidance as to how we can enter such conversations in a way that is grace-filled and truthful and reliant on the Holy Spirit to help and guide us. Listen now to today's scriptures. The first comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you and he will be in you. Our second lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sarah and Beth attended the same college in Kentucky and were sorority sisters. From the time they met, they knew they had different approaches to life, and while they had certain things in common, they didn't become fast friends. But years later, they reconnected on Facebook, where they bonded over being attorneys and young mothers. As their connection deepened, they discovered something else they had in common, a passion for politics. Sarah had been honing her political opinions since childhood. As soon as she graduated from law school, she went to work in the political arena, first for Hillary Clinton's 2007 presidential campaign and then as a legislative aide in the U.S. Senate but when it came time to have children, she and her husband moved back to Kentucky, where Sarah began to explore running for local office. It was around this time that Sarah reconnected with Beth, who was struggling to express her own political opinions. Beth was struggling because although she held strong opinions that usually lined up with the Republican party, she had been reluctant to express them, because Beth had been raised to be successful and likable and make the people around her feel good, which usually meant keeping her political views to herself. After getting to know one another and sharing their views, Beth and Sarah decided to try recording their conversations and releasing them to the world through a podcast called Pantsuit Politics, which they started in 2015 just in time to cover the 2016 presidential election. To their surprise, it turned out a lot of people wanted to listen to conversations between two women, one a Democrat and the other a Republican, even though their conversations were often not what people expected. In a recent interview, Sarah reflected, I think people often come to the podcast and they see bipartisan, And they either want us to disagree all the time or fulfill that partisan talking point. And that's not what we do because we're complicated. People are complicated. And we're trying to have conversations about values, not talking points, about our fundamental values. Sarah and Beth call their podcast a place for grace-filled political conversations. That word grace is intentional, says Beth. They thought about using a different word like civility, but they realized after years of having conversations with one another that it had to go deeper than civility because just being nice wasn't enough. They had some big, important disagreements, and what they found was that grace, that combination of humility and respect and forgiveness and wonder, was critical in their conversations. Grace was especially needed when they discussed issues they were never going to agree on. Grace is what has enabled them to have hard conversations in a way that honors each other as human beings, worthy of respect and dignity, regardless of their differences. Throughout the New Testament, we are given indicators that we in 21st century America are by no means the first people to struggle to have conversations across difference. As much as it might seem, we are living through a period of unprecedented polarization, politically and otherwise. Again and again in his letters to some of the earliest Christian communities, the Apostle Paul dispenses advice on how to deal with conflict. And in all four Gospels, each of which tailors the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to a particular community, the authors depict Jesus giving his followers instruction on how to keep talking to each other and to their enemies, even when it's hard. The verses we heard today from Matthew's Gospel have been upheld as offering a clear process of dealing with conflict in the church. And on first reading, it can sound like a rather rigid formulation. First, have a direct conversation with the person whose words or actions have offended you. If that doesn't work, bring in a third party to help mediate. If that still doesn't work, take it to the whole church. What's important to remember here is that at the time Jesus was preaching and teaching, The church, as we know it, didn't yet exist. So when Jesus first offered this process for conflict resolution, he wouldn't have mentioned the church. So then what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about community, about the family of faith, about all people who are bound together by our primary identity as children of God and followers of Jesus. One word we now use for that community is the word church, and as we've certainly learned these past months, that church is not a building, it's people. And of course, where there are people, there will be deeply felt emotions, strongly held opinions, and even conflict. Years ago when my kids were still young, but getting old enough to take some responsibility around the house, I read an article about how to hold an effective family meeting. The author argued that family meetings were a great way to strengthen relationships and help all the pieces of a family's life come together more smoothly. There were three recommendations in this article for how to run a good family meeting. First, Make the first meeting 100% positive since you want everyone to leave the meeting excited about the next one. Second, the family meeting has got to be fun. Serve dessert and make sure that fun items for discussion outnumber any negative items. Finally, keep the meetings consistent and predictable so that eventually they run themselves. It sounded like such a good idea. But during our first family meeting, I don't even think anyone had finished one cookie before things went south. One of the kids made a snarky comment about a sibling, and this quickly led to bickering. My husband kept glancing at his cell phone and telling me we needed to wrap things up to get the kids to bed. And it turns out that even serving cookies didn't make it fun to divvy up household chores. That one awful family meeting was all it took to turn us off of family meetings forever. Navigating life together in community, whether a biological family, a church family, school, or a city, it's hard. So what can we learn here from Jesus' advice? Well, what he seems to be saying in this threefold process is that the most important thing is to keep The conversation going. Even when it's hard and messy, don't give up. Notice the two essential ingredients in this process of reconciliation that Jesus outlines. Those two essential ingredients are conversation and listening. Four times in three verses, Jesus uses the word listen. When there is misunderstanding and offense and conflict, he advises us to listen, and then listen again, and then listen some more. Jesus calls us to keep leaning in, keep moving toward one another, keep working to treat each other with dignity and respect, even if we eventually determine that no resolution is possible. At that point, Jesus says, let such a one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. In other words, like the person we have been taught, it's okay to reject or write off as the irredeemable other. Then again, do you recall how Jesus dealt with Gentiles and tax collectors in his ministry? He does exactly what he advises us to do with those who have offended us. He moves toward them. He seeks out encounters with them. He engages them in conversation. He sits down and shares meals with them. Once again, Jesus is advising us to never give up when it comes to keeping the conversation going even with those we'd prefer to write off. Now, this is hard to do. It is so much easier to paint people with a broad brush, to assume that if they hold a certain view on one issue, then we know their entire worldview. The writer Toni Morrison once said, why should we want to know a stranger? when it is easier to estrange another? Why should we want to close the distance when we can close the gate? The truth is, it's easier to stay in our ideological bubbles and echo chambers, to talk only with people who share our views, to only engage news that affirms our positions. So if we are going to do what Jesus commands and in the face of our differences, lean in, draw closer, and listen, and listen, and listen some more, we are going to need help. Fortunately, Jesus thought of that too. During his last night with his disciples, according to the Gospel of John, Jesus made them this promise we heard earlier. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth. In other words, all these hard things Jesus tells us to do are not things we have to do alone. God equips us to do them by sending us the Holy Spirit. This Spirit of Truth will draw alongside us. The Greek word translated advocate here, the word paraclete, literally means the one called alongside. It refers to someone who shows up to support another in a critical situation, like a court appearance, to give true, helpful, encouraging testimony and support. I know that the idea of seeking out a friend or a family member or a fellow church member or even a pastor and engaging that person in conversation, especially conversation about a contentious issue, that may sound like the last thing you want to do, especially in this moment when everything feels so fraught and so polarized. But Jesus calls us, to draw closer to one another, not pull away, to engage each other with love and grace and humility and respect, to listen and listen and listen some more. And we can do this when we hold fast to this promise. We don't do it alone. We are equipped We can have these conversations, and when we invite the Holy Spirit to draw alongside us, to be our helper, our advocate, our trusted friend, to be the very presence of God with us, then even the hardest of conversations can be filled with grace and truth. The Bible is constantly reminding us that the church was not created to be a safe haven cut off from the world. Rather, the church was created to be a community that reminds us who we are and whose we are. A gathering of people with whom we practice together following the example and the commands of Jesus— to love the world God so loves, to love each person God has created in God's own image. Like it or not, this is politics, for politics is simply, in the words of the prophet Jeremiah, seeking the welfare of the city in which we find ourselves. Politics is the arena in which we practice Jesus' commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. There is no one right way to do this, but there is a way to do it wrong. We cannot fulfill this commandment if we stop talking with one another, if we refuse to engage each other or our neighbors. For the next couple of months in worship and education and on our podcast, we are going to be exploring what the Bible teaches us about having hard conversations in good faith. The most important thing to remember as we begin is that God has given us what we need for even the most challenging conversation. We have this community built on faith and trust and love and grace and we have the holy spirit the advocate the trusted friend the spirit of truth when we invite the holy spirit into our hearts and into these conversations we are equipped to practice jesus call to come closer lean in start a conversation listen and listen and listen some more knowing that in the midst even of hard conversations, empowered by the Spirit, we can experience anew the presence and grace of God. Amen.